Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, December 18th, 2022, we conclude our Advent series with a sermon titled, Jesus is King, by Pastor Thomas Slager out of Matthew chapter 2. But first, here's a quick recap of last week's sermon. This Christmas season, I encourage you to encounter your estranged family members. Stop searching and pretending that there's such a thing as a functional family. Everyone's dysfunctional, including our Savior's family. But find yourself submitting to the family of God that He planned for you and the family that you have and do this out of a reverent awe of this Christ. Jesus came in humility. He submitted himself to the very people he created. Why? To fulfill the law of the prophets. To a virgin came the word. And that word, right, it became flesh and it dwelt among us. From a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt. Why? To reveal the kingdom coming and to reconcile the lost. He did not come to aspire to be king, work his way into the role. He came as the king of kings. And he came to redeem the whole of creation. He would not only come in humility in birth, but he would sacrifice him very self so that you could be saved. What we see in Matthew chapter two is the story of one king, King Herod, the king of the Jews, being threatened by a new king, a baby king, King Jesus, who's also the king of the Jews. And you might be familiar with being threatened, maybe not as a king. Um, Maybe you've experienced threats like in a really, really big way that'd be unique to a few people. Um, Or maybe you've experienced threats in much lesser ways. I remember a time in third grade, I felt just incredibly threatened. In third grade, see in third grade, I was the greatest athlete in the world. There's no question about it. Self-proclaimed, I'll give you that. Uh, but I, was just, I just thought I was the best at everything in third grade, and I did pretty good for a third grader. But then in fourth grade, this kid named Jared showed up. Now, I didn't know this kid because he went to this school from kindergarten through second grade, took a break in third grade, I think just to punk me, and then showed back up in fourth grade, and I quickly learned this kid, Jared, can kick a soccer ball like halfway across the soccer field which is a fourth grade. I'm like, that's, something, that's, that's pretty cool. And Jared could dunk. Not like on the big one. You're like, how tall or how old is this fourth grader? Is he 17? No, like the middle hoop. Not like the shorty one and not the big tall one, but that middle hoop that like fourth graders don't normally dunk on. Jared could dunk on that one. And I was like, man, who is this kid who's come to like take my throne of, of greatest athlete in the world? And um, quickly learned Jared's a great dude. I actually officiated his wedding. One of my closest friends. Uh, we're good friends to this day. Maybe you have experienced threats, not as like a fourth grader, Uh, Maybe it's come to you in different ways. Maybe it's the family who moves next door, the new family, right? They hired movers to move. You know what I'm talking about? Right? Like white glove service movers, and and their cars are like, who are these people? But they just have more. Like more of what? Just name it. They have more. Theirs is better than yours. And you just feel this like, ugh, 
I don't know about this. Like, I felt good about who I was until these people showed up. Or it's the new guy, the new girl, the new boss in the office. You're like, man, I was, I was hoping like maybe I'd be, I'd be, I'd be in the running for that. And then, and then new lady shows up and like, I don't know, like, what's she gonna do? Like, is she gonna eliminate my job? What's, what's going on here? Or it's the new kid who shows up to school and he's just cooler than you. He's just cooler, he's like more handsome, he's funnier. It's the girl who shows up, she's prettier. All right, whatever it is, we've experienced this feeling of like, ugh. Like, who are they? What are they gonna do? Why, do? why are they so much cooler, so much better than me? And that's really the feeling that we get in Matthew chapter two this morning. King Herod, the king of the Jews, feeling incredibly threatened by a baby king, King Jesus, also called the king of the Jews. Now, you're probably familiar with the story of Luke chapter two, but I do wanna read it anyways, because what we're gonna see in Matthew chapter two is three big themes that we can trace all throughout that story, all throughout that narrative. The first theme, um, if you just wanna like cut to the chase and fill out your outline, the first thing we see before you read this story is a problem with Herod, a problem with Herod. The second thing we're gonna see is the protection of God the protection of God. The third thing we're gonna see is fulfilled prophecy. Um, Once we go through the story, I wanna make application from each one of those big themes to our own life uh, that we can glean from today. So let's read the story. Matthew chapter two, verses one, all the way through 23, the entire chapter. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, Wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who's been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so was written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way and behold, the star they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and they worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, out of Egypt I will call my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. 
But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for he who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he had heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. But before we hop into it, let's pray. God, well, it's my voice that's been heard. We know this morning it's your word that's been spoken. And it's your word that we trust as the authority for our life. God, we pray this morning as we uh, encounter a story that, that many are familiar with, and you know, if some are unfamiliar with it this morning and it's news to them, God, we're glad they're here. We're glad they're with us this morning just hearing the good news of what you did for us through your son, Jesus. God, as we encounter this story, I ask that you would um, open our eyes to new things maybe we haven't seen before, our ears to hear you, um, our minds to know and understand your scriptures, our heart to love you and apply your word to our life, and then also our mouths this week as we go forward preaching the good news of your son, Jesus. God, everything we do this morning is for you. It's for your glory and your glory alone. And all God's people said, Amen. Three big themes intertwined all throughout Matthew chapter two. The problem with Herod, the protection of God, and fulfilled prophecy. Before we get into those, let's recap our main characters of the story. First and foremost, we have Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Uh, we see Jesus born in the end of Matthew chapter one. Uh, and we know him, we, we look back to Isaiah chapter nine, it's the prophecy that we started week one of Advent series, to us a son is given, a child is born, that's the fulfillment of that prophecy, that's who Jesus is. You have Mary, Mary's probably um, a girl about 14 years of age is what historians would tell us. Uh, and then we have this guy named Joseph, and as we look at the end of Matthew chapter one, we see that Joseph is a pretty godly dude. Pretty godly dude. See, he hears that uh, his, he's not even his wife yet. They're like, think of being betrothed as being super engaged. Okay, not just like planning to get married. It's like, no, we are like, we are working towards that. They're betrothed. They're super engaged. And during their super engagement, he finds out that Mary is pregnant. And he's like, well, we haven't been together. So I know that's not my kid. I know he's not mine, so he seeks to divorce her quietly because he doesn't want to bring shame to her. That's when God shows up and says, no, no, don't divorce her. I'm doing something amazing in your life. And Joseph, because he wants to follow God, he abides by what God says. He's a, he's a pretty good dude. And we saw last week, while Joseph wasn't uh, Jesus' earthly father, he was definitely his dad. He was definitely a dad to him over the course of his upbringing. Thirdly, we see this uh, guy, Herod the Great, Self-proclaimed, by the way, Herod the Great. It wasn't like people saw Herod, they were like, Herod the Great. He was like, you call me Herod the Great. That's my name. So they, they abided by that. They called him what he wanted to be called. And he was a little bit of an egomaniac, uh, a little bit of a crazy guy. He built all sorts of amazing structures, some of which still stand to this day. Uh, and he said, I'm gonna build great things not because I want to serve my city, because I want my city to serve me. We're going to make great things, because guess what? King Herod the Great is really great. And if I'm great, we're going to have a city that's almost as great as me. Uh, King Herod killed his own wife, so, you know, pretty good dude. Um, killed some of his own sons. Uh, at his death, he ordered his sons, and they said, hey, when I die, I need you to go out and kill a bunch of people all over the city. So when the whole city mourns, it's as if the city is mourning for me. 
Uh, there was a phrase that said it was better to be King Herod's pig than his own son. Terrible guy. Really, really terrible guy as we see in the story. We also have the wise men. We don't know a whole lot about these guys. How many wise men are there? That's what the song says. We three kings of Orient are. We actually have no idea. We don't know. But it fits better in the song to sing we three instead of like undisclosed number of kings are bringing <laughs> presents to Jesus. Uh, so we don't know. We know there's three gifts, gold, frankincense, and, and myrrh. So um, traditionally, we just say there's three, but we really aren't certain of how many wise men there really are. So there's some background to the characters of the story. Let's hop in to the main themes. The first thing we see is this problem with King Herod, and that happens pretty much right off the bat. Right off the bat, in the beginning of the story, you can look at verse one. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Herod's the king of the Jews by permission of Rome. He is the king of the Jews. Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, where Herod is king, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star. Like, imagine this, this, this setting with me, right? These guys show up to the king of the Jews and say, hey, where is he who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star. Right away, you start feeling the conflict of, wait a minute. Herod's the king of the Jews, and now he's thinking, what do you mean there's a new king of the Jews? I've been here for a while. You're talking about me? It's my birthday? You're coming to celebrate me? What do you mean this new king has a star? He's got a star? You saw his star? Like, I've got a city. He's got a star? What is going on here? The problem increases throughout the text. See, Herod is bothered by this in verse 3. When he heard this, the king was troubled He's very troubled. There's a new king on the scene. He perceives the threat. Verse seven, the second part of the problem. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Y'all see through that one, right? Right, hey, go, first he, first he's actually earlier in the text, summons like some religious leaders and says, hey, tell me where. Tell me where this new king is supposed to be born so we can kind of dial it in a little bit. And then, and then he says, tell, tell me when. When is this guy supposed to show up? So they narrows in a, an idea of where this new baby king Jesus might be living. So sends these guys out and says, hey, go find him. Well, when you find him, tell me. I want to go and worship him too. The problem continues. Verse 16, then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, we're going to come back to this in a second. Uh, See, Angel shows up to the wise men and says, hey, don't do what King Herod, the not so great, said. He's an egomaniac and he's looking to do evil things. Don't listen to him. So Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all the region and all the region who were two years, old or, or two years old or under according to the time that he had been ascertained from the wise men. Uh, if you're wondering how many families are affected by this, this could have been anywhere between, uh, according to what scholars would say, maybe 10 to 30 newborn boys, 10 to 30 toddlers and under. Um, so see, this isn't just Herod's pride problem that's going on, his own egomaniac, his own sin. It's also the problem he's creating for other people. Because of his sin, because of his um, comparing himself to other people, because of his own ego, he's now gone out and and caused some, some really painful problems for about 30 families. 
That's the third time we see the problem. The fourth time we see the problem in the text comes up in verse 22. But when he had heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea, see Joseph here, he says, okay, the angel shows up and says, King Herod and the people who were searching um, for the boys are dead. But a new king arises, um, Archelaus. This is one of Herod's sons. You've heard the phrase like the apple doesn't fall far from the tree or like father, like son. Archelaus became like his dad. His dad was an evil king, so he followed his dad's example, and Archelaus too became an evil king. We think the story's done, but it just continues to get worse throughout the text. You know, interesting in Matthew chapter two, we see each one of these things four times, by the way. We see this problem come up four times. We see God's protection come up four times. uh, And we also see prophecy being fulfilled four times. So these aren't just things that we're making up in the text this morning. Uh, This is a, it's all there for us. It's for us to see, it's for us to learn from. That is the problem we see, and, and Jesus isn't uh, new to problems. You've probably read John 15, verse 18 before, right? It says, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. Well, at what point did people start hating Jesus? From the point he was born. Immediately, people started seeking his life to take his life. That's the problem with Herod, his own problems, his own sin, but then also the problem he's causing for other people. The second thing we see is the protection of God. The protection of God. This is a a pretty big theme throughout the scriptures. God is our protector. God is our provider. If you read through the Psalms, if you read through the Old Testament, even the New Testament, we see that God is our shield, that God is our rock, that God is our refuge, that God is our fortress, that God is our protector. So of course we see his protection in the text of Matthew chapter two. Let's look at the first protection we see. Verse 12, and being warned in a dream, Not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. God shows up uh, to the wise men and says, no, don't don't go the direction that the king has called you to go. He's gonna protect even right there. The second, second protection we see, verse 13, now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. See, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph originally, Uh, when he found out that his betrothed was pregnant and says, hey, here's the plan, here's what's going on. Uh, And we see this all over the text, God showing up in dreams to protect people from the decisions they're about to make uh, and from the decisions that people are making against them. An angel shows up and says, no, don't go in that direction. Protection number three we see in verse 19, but when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. Again, there's the third protection we see. There's a fourth protection we see of God showing up and protecting his people. Verse 22. Joseph hears that Archelaus is reigning over Judea in a place of his father Herod, and he's afraid to go there. But being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, yet again, God shows up and protects them from the evil things that are intended to happen against them. You see the problem come up four times. You see protection come up four times. We also see fulfilled prophecy coming up four times. Four fulfilled prophecies in Matthew chapter two. What is a prophecy? That's a great question. A prophecy is not just an educated guess. Okay, they wouldn't say, you know, we think the King Jesus is Messiah that God might send. Uh, We think he might be born in such and such a place at such and such a time. 
No, they were direct, they were uh, detailed, and, and they were accurate. To be a prophet in the Old Testament, um, it wasn't like a strike one, strike two, strike three. We don't know if you're trustworthy anymore. Uh, it was a strike one, off with your head. As if you make a prophecy that's not fulfilled, that's not true, you were no longer trusted to be a prophet, uh, and you'd be executed because of it. So these are our big, big deals when we're seeing these things be fulfilled. Four fulfilled prophecies we see in the text. Let's rewind to verse four. Assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, King Herod inquired of them where the child was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea. How do they know this? In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Fulfilled prophecy. Where is it going to be born? From Bethlehem, Judea. That's where it's going to happen. There's a second fulfilled prophecy. Verse 15. Let's start at 14, actually. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt. This is what God had told him to do. And remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt, I called my son. Out of Egypt, I called my son. These are all Old Testament Uh, prophecies being fulfilled in Matthew chapter two. There's a third prophecy being fulfilled, verse 18, uh, starting in 17. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more, referring to uh, the slaughter, the the murdering of these, uh, these newborn babies that King Herod had ordered to be executed. There's a fourth prophecy. You go down all the way to verse 23. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. Uh, It it reminds you of times in the New Testament where the Pharisees are speaking of Jesus coming from Nazareth, and they'd say things like, Nazareth, nothing good comes from Nazareth. Nothing good comes from there. Well, except the king. The king comes from Nazareth. Because from what we see in the text, that Jesus is king. Four, four, and four. Three different themes we see throughout Matthew chapter two. The problem of Herod, um, his own personal sin, egomaniac, pride problem, but also the problems he's causing in the life of the people. You see the protection of God four times showing up in dreams, warning them to not go and, and let these things be done to them. And four times you see fulfilled prophecy. From each of those themes, I want us to make application to our own lives this morning. Problems, protection, and also prophecy. Uh, Let's talk about problems. Who's got problems? Right, real quick, the people you turned to earlier and said, Merry Christmas, um, first tell them, hey, I love you, and then say, you got problems. (laughs) We all got problems. Everyone's got problems. And I know, uh, especially this time of year, there's varying degrees of problems that we might face. But Jesus said we would have problems. He said we'd have trials, tribulations, persecutions. From the day he was born king of the Jews, he faced problems. John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus says, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. That's what Jesus the king, he brings us peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. In the world, you'll have problems, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Take heart because our king has overcome the world. James chapter one, verses two through four says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials, problems, persecutions, tribulations, trials of various kinds. 
For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Here's what James chapter one tells me. Here's what James chapter, it tells tells me my pain and my problems are not pointless. There's reasons for them. There's a point to the pain that God permits in my life. That is the, that's the thing. And we all can probably rewind to times in our own life. Let me rewind to my life, not to third and fourth grade, but this time to my freshman year of college. Freshman year of college up at NAU, awesome apartment, awesome bachelor pad. It's just me and all of my amazing things, right? My neighbors looked at me and they're like, who's this guy? He's got more, right? Uh, I didn't hire movers. I did it all myself, but my stuff was awesome, in my opinion. You probably would have been looking at it and been like, dude, is that a computer monitor for a TV? It was, but it was awesome. It was really cool. I had my, my guitars were there and my Xbox, like the new Xbox was there. Uh, I, had, I had my stereo system and like this couch we got at Ikea. It was awesome, right? There was all these just amazing things going on and I felt like I was something because I had something. My identity was tied to all of my stuff. Freshman year, spring break in college, someone broke into my apartment and stole everything that was important to me. They didn't take the Ikea couch. Um, everything else was gone. It was gone. My sweet TV, gone. The watch I got from high school graduation from my parents, gone. My class ring, which who does that? Uh, gone. My Xbox, gone. Guitar, gone. Stereo system, gone. Everything was gone. In the moment, you're like, well, this is just bad luck. Right? Man, what bad luck? Oh, oh it was fate. No, not, not bad luck, not fate. God's plan. God's plan. Why? Because see, here, here's who I thought I was. I thought I was what I had. I thought I was what I did. And I thought I was what's been done to me. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus says that's not who I am at all. I'm not what I've done. I'm not what's been done to me. I'm not what I have. I am who God says I am. I'm a child of the most high king. That's who we are. And I learned through a painful experience what it looked like to follow Jesus more. God doesn't waste our pain. There's a point to it. And I'm not sure what problems you find yourself facing um, over this Christmas season. Like I said, there's varying degrees of problems. Maybe this year they're just um, investments not doing as great as they had been doing in years past, so there's not as much disposable cash to spend on stuff, and you're feeling a bit bad because the kids aren't going to have as much under the tree this year, and that's kind of a problem for you. Um, Maybe Christmas this year, it's the first Christmas you have without you fill in the blank of who that important person was in your life. It's the first year without grandma. It's the first year without your mom. First year without dad. First year without whoever it is. Or maybe it's your first year away from home. Right, growing up, you've been doing uh, Christmas in the same place every year with mom and dad. Maybe this year mom and dad called it quits. For the first time, you've got to figure out, man, what does this look like? Parents sold your childhood home, so you're going back to celebrate Christmas in a new... Whatever it is, Christmas can represent some difficulty. Christmas can represent pain. My encouragement to you this year, would you press into Jesus? Would you press into the king? The king has a kingdom. Nothing happens without him knowing. Nothing happens without him moving. Romans chapter eight, verse 28 says this. We know for those who love God, all things, which things? Everyone say, all things. 
All things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. If something is happening in your life, it's because God is moving in your life. That'll work for your good and it will work for his glory. Doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. Doesn't mean there's no pain. Doesn't mean we brush it off and act like nothing's real and nothing hurts. But God's moving in our life. We have problems. However, he has a plan. Jesus is king. He has a kingdom and he has a plan. The second thing we saw in the text was God's protection. God's protection over Mary, Jesus, and Joseph and the wise men of what was going on in that text. And as we look in our own life, God has protected us. God has protected us, I mean, time and time again from all the problems and pain and things we experience in life. Uh, Something I think God has protected us most from, everyone take your finger and point at yourself. God's protected me from me. He's protected me from my own sin. He's protected me from my own pride, my own ego, my own issues, my own pain and problems that I'd cause other people around me if it weren't for him being in my life. The Bible says we're sinners, each and every single one of us. The world might look at you and say, yeah, pretty good guy. Man, by worldly standards, yeah, pretty good guy. Here's the problem. Romans chapter three, Jesus says no one's good. No, not one. Our good deeds are like filthy rags. Romans 3.23 says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have a serious issue here. The Bible says there's consequences for that sin. There's consequences. The wages of sin is death. Physical death, of course, but then also spiritual death, a second death. That's a problem. But God has done something. See, he's protected us from our sin. He's provided a way for us through his son, Jesus. That's the beginning part of the story, Christmas. It's the beginning, God sent his son. For God so loved the world that he what? He sent his only son. He gave his only son. He came and lived a perfect life that you and I couldn't live, even if we tried to, which, if we're honest, we don't try. We don't try to be perfect. We try to be just good enough and hide the secret stuff behind closed doors. He came and lived a perfect life we couldn't live. He died a death that you and I deserve to die to pay the penalty for our sins. The story of the gospel is that Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose from dead defeating death, that if you and I would place our faith, our hope, our trust, our love in Christ, then we too would be saved. Though we die, yet we can live. God has protected us from our sin. God has provided for us in his son, Jesus. John chapter one, verses 10 through 13 says this, he was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. His own people did not receive him. Jesus, the king of the Jews, showed up and was immediately rejected by King Herod the Great, the king of the Jews. He came to his own people, and instead of worshiping him, they sought his life. They tried to kill him. They tried to destroy him. He came to his own people, and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Friends, you can receive a king this morning. You can become a child of the king. 
Is your heart ready for that? Are you in a place where you're ready for that? Or as the king is presented today, just as Jesus came to his own and did not receive him, would you again neglect him? Would you again choose not to receive him? Or this morning, would you come forward open-handed, open-hearted, and willing to profess Jesus is king? God protected people in Matthew chapter two. We see God protecting us from us and also providing ourselves a son. We saw fulfilled prophecy in Matthew chapter two, and, and what's great for us, we're, we're doing Advent series, right? Really looking back at the birth of Jesus, but for us as, as Christians on this side of the resurrection of Christ, we have our own Advent. See, they were awaiting for the arrival of a king, we are awaiting the return of a king. It's the message of the New Testament. Christ risen and coming again. He will come back. The king will return. Titus chapter two, verses 11 through 14 says this, for the grace of God has appeared. That's the story of Christmas. The grace of God appeared. God did something amazing. 2,000 some odd years ago, God sent his son. He appeared bringing salvation for all people. To all who received him, who believed in his game, he gave the right to become children of God. All people could become a child of the king. Bringing salvation for all people training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. That's what happens. We give our life to Christ and he changes our life. He has appeared. That's the story of the gospel. Verse 13, waiting for our blessed hope. Waiting for our blessed hope. We look back to his appearance, but we look forward to his next appearance. That's what we are awaiting, his blessed hope. The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. See, we look back on the story of Christmas and we see Jesus born in a stable. Born in a stable. You get a picture of a stable with some donkeys. He was, he was born, he was placed in a manger. He was wrapped in swaddling clothes. When we think of Jesus, that's what we tend to look back to this time of year. Friends, I'd, I'd like to interest you in a new picture of the king. Wrapped in swaddling clothes, placed in a manger. Someday he'll return with a robe and a crown. Matthew chapter two, Luke chapter two, we're familiar with the stories. It's, it's donkeys and stables. You read forward to Revelation 19, it's Jesus on a heavenly horse. A robe dipped in blood, wearing a crone, a sword coming out of his mouth, inscribed on his leg, King of kings and Lord of lords. Is that what we look to? Jesus is king. Jesus is king. This Christmas, I would encourage you to look forward to that picture of the king, that he will return. As I call the band out, I want to mention Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 through 25. It's a, a scripture we typically reference to tell people they need to go to church, right? You got to be in church. And, and that's a true statement, but there's other truth inside that text as well. It says, let us consider how to stir each other up to love and good works, let us really think of what it would look like for us to encourage each other to do the loving things and the good things that God has called us to do. And he says, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, right? Go to church, there's that part. But encouraging one another and all the more as we see the day drawing near. What's the day? It's the day that Jesus comes back. 
looking forward to the day that Christ returns to make everything right again, the day that Christ returns to call us home to him, a perfect kingdom, a perfect king. Jesus is coming. When? I'm not sure. But all throughout the scriptures, all throughout the New Testament, Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. Be ready for the day. It'll come like a thief in the night. Jesus is coming soon. I know today we're closer than we were yesterday. Tomorrow we'll be closer than we were today. Next week we'll be closer than this week. Next year, five years, 10 years, we'll be closer than we are today. But friends, we're meant to live with this mentality, this advent of looking forward to the return of our King, our King Jesus. Our King has a kingdom. Would you serve him? Would you follow him? This season, would you receive him as your King? Let's pray. God, thank you for being a perfect king, a perfect ruler, a perfect Lord, a perfect servant, a perfect friend, a perfect son. God, you are perfect. God, I'm sure there's um, people in here this morning who are, are all over the place in their faith. God, we've got um, people who are, are critical and cynical I'm looking for reasons not to believe. We've got people who are maybe skeptical this morning with some questions. We've got people who are seeking to follow after you and we have people who wholeheartedly want to serve you. God, I pray this morning the message of Christmas would resonate with each of their hearts. God, we'd see the problems represented in Matthew chapter two. We'd see the problems in our own life. We'd see you as a faithful protector, a faithful provider in this text, but also see you as the provider and protector of our lives as well. And God, as we look back to fulfilled prophecies concerning the birth of Jesus, Jesus the King, we look forward to the return of that King. God, we submit ourselves to be used by you and we rejoice in who you are and what you've done through your son Jesus and his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and we look forward to him coming again. God, we love you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Just stand and join us as we sing and profess that Jesus is our king. Man, not a, uh, not a traditional Christmas song, but one of my new favorite Christmas songs. Like a bride waiting for her groom will be a church ready for you. Are you ready? He's coming soon. Are you ready? And some of you this morning, you might be thinking, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where I'm at with this whole Jesus thing. You can be ready. He came to his own. Some didn't receive him. As he comes to you this morning, will you receive him? The Bible says all who receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become child, a child of God. We confess with our mouth, agree that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is King, and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, then we can be saved. Friends, if you have any question this morning, please don't leave without talking to one of us. Someone brought you to church this morning to, to celebrate Christmas, and maybe you've got questions about, I don't know what this means to follow Jesus. You could ask them. They'd love to talk about it with you, and maybe you have questions they're not sure what to do with. We've got people down front. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to talk with you. You can find a pastor or any of us walking around the lobby and say, I got a question. We'd love to help you. We'd love to help you profess Jesus as king in your life this morning. 
I'm not sure what problem, what trial of various kinds you're encountering this Christmas season, but friends, we do have a prayer team. We have a care team down front. They're here right now. If you need prayer, if you would like prayer, let me encourage you. Don't just go through that on your own this morning. Come forward and find some prayer and find some care from people who love you and want to serve you by praying with you this morning. One last thing. We are about a week out from our Christmas services. Friday, 645 Saturday, 2 o'clock, 4 o'clock, 6 o'clock. We want to pack every service out, not so we can say, look what we did. We packed everything out. We want to preach Jesus. We want to preach Jesus, and we want to preach Jesus to as many people as we possibly can. That's our heart, that we would see a lot of people come to know the Lord as their king this Christmas season, and we hope that would be your heart as well. So this week, let's partner one another, get the word out, Try to fill this place as churches all around the valley try to do the same thing as we try to preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus who came once and he's coming again for us again soon. Would we live with that mindset ready for him, ready for the return of our king, amen? We love you guys. Serve each other. Invite people. We'll see you next weekend. Bye-bye.